It's Ion Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11 here on 97.1 FM News Talk, we're talking about your health care. My name is Michael Jones. We've got Eric Beto Robert running the board How over there. How you doing, there. Dr. Jones? Doing great. How things going? I, wonderful. Well, you know, it may only be about 20 degrees outside. Yes. But it's a beautiful blue February day. Not quite as windy as it was, you know, a little Last Saturday, there was like almost 70. Listen. Global it, warming a week ago, global cooling now. I'm, Climate change. Um, what can I say? I tried to enjoy it for what it was and not get attached to it. Now, remember, there's a difference between climate and weather is what they're telling me now. When a hurricane hits, it's climate change. That's right. But when it's bitterly cold, it's weather. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little more conceptual than that. It's If it's something that might bother you, <laughs> then it's, it's climate, climate change. change. But if it's just something that happens and it seems relatively normal, it's the weather. weather right. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Or if it doesn't fit your narrative of... The world is going to burn up in twelve years. Yeah, right. Yeah, twelve. I mean, years, what are yeah. we even doing? Uh, we only got twelve years left, man. Was it? Uh, what, what's the what's the proposal to eliminate all? Uh, oh, we're going to rebuild every building, every building, including homes, barns, every structure. Not merely in the continental United States, <laughs> the entire United States. <laughs> oh, the territories. Yeah, too? yeah, yeah. Was it uh, uh, in ten or fifteen years? Ten years. No, I saw. I've been in the same house for three years, and I, I'm just trying to get my cabinets done. I mean, you know, and I got to rebuild the whole thing. You're going to make me get up in the attic. You know, uh, we're, I, I think what you're mentioning, uh, not to get too political, is the Green New Deal. Yeah. Here's what it reminded me of. You remember that when you're running for like class president in like middle school, and you could just say, and the guy's like, "I'm going to put a soda machine in every room." And for a class trip, we're going to Cancun. <laughs> you're going to Cancun. <laughs> Yeah, right. They throw all these eggs. The kids yeah. are like, oh, man, yeah. a soda machine in every room? No way, yeah. dude. And the I'm social gonna, studies department's going to pay for it. I'm going to outlaw yeah. homework. You're like, yeah. Right? You know what they you <laughs> That's know what, what they it did. reminds me of. You know what they did? We need, the first problem off, is this is our federal government we're talking for, First about. off, guest idea. Um, I, I want to find, uh, and if any of the listeners, or if, if you're in the medical community and, and maybe this is uh, in your purview, we've got some guests along this line that we'll ask for referrals for. But talking about the impact of stress and anxiety on children in today's modern school system. Uh, because I know, you, you know you've you got a lot of young kids. I've got a lot of young kids. And what I'm seeing is it is so different than it was 20, 30 years ago in terms of uh, the, the responsibilities of these kids and the with, with some of the changes, especially in the public school system. It's, it's absolutely nuts. But what they did with my oldest daughter is they uh, – they were just snowing these fourth graders with homework every single yeah, night. No, every single so It's true. like they had yeah. no life. Yeah. Go to school all day. All they do is work on stuff, right? 
then come home, all they do is do homework. I'm like, and then there's 50 yes. million extracurriculars. Well, then they, they just named it unhomework. Okay. I it, like unhomework. Yeah, they call it unhomework. Okay. Under the auspice that it's it's optional, except it's not optional. I'm like, the, it's optional, but if you don't do it, you don't get a good grade. It was very, right. uh, yeah. Yeah, very Orwellian. I would agree. The homework is a lot. I was thinking about this the other day, watching all my kids doing their homework all night long. Yeah. I'm thinking, I used to do all that stuff like in school. Yeah. So I'm. What happened to study? Well, I'm guessing what's going on in school is the indoctrination. We got to learn about all these things that don't really even matter and all this. Then when you get home, the parents then end up teaching them how to do their math problems because apparently during math class, they're learning, uh, you know, that Howard Schultz is a right wing independent or something like that. Yeah. And to to be clear, I just want to be fair in case, you know, the, the teachers are great, they struggle with this stuff too. I'm seeing this with a lot of the, the the teachers who've been there, especially for 15 or more years, and they're going, "We're we're tight. Our hands are." Tied I mean, maybe now. I'm just misremembering. I just don't remember this much homework. I don't. No, I, I don't seem either. like I always got it done at school, and then I could come home and you know yeah. watch, watch Transformers or something, yeah, or just be a kid. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, read a book. I yeah, don't know something like yeah. that. Yeah. How, how do we get talking about that? I don't Sorry, know. it's yeah, little... but there is a lot of homework, no doubt. A lot of homework. So if one of these people could outlaw homework. There's an idea. Or outlaw Fridays, make Fridays a permanent holiday. We'll be France before you know it. Oh, apparently in the Green New Deal, if you're unwilling to work, you get a free job anyway, a free paycheck. Not a job, paycheck. Yeah. You don't yeah. need a job. Well, as a, as a medical doctor, um, Dr. Jones, I imagine you see the direct health benefits of the, all the policy proposals of the Green New Deal. <laughs> That's right. Right? I yes. I, I counted them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have an allergist come on, talk That's about... Right. <laughs> All the cleaner. I mean, look, if you're unable or unwilling to work, you get a free paycheck. I mean, at what point yeah. <laughs> do we all become unwilling to work? Yeah. To pay for someone else one else who wants to be unwilling. Yeah, just speaking of stress and anxiety, so, <laughs> so you're going to eliminate stress and anxiety for a lot of people who don't want to work but want to get paid anyway. Unfortunately, you may add a little bit to the people who are working. Yeah, a you little know, bit. And have to then, just a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard about squeezing blood from a stone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> right. So as you can tell, folks, there's no uh, other guest in the studio That's this right. morning. It's just me and Eric Beto Robert. But I do have a couple of good things to talk yes. about um, based on some new research that came out where I want to talk a little bit about something. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show, if, I can, if I'm remembering. Hmm. We've been on many years, so maybe yeah. I lost track, but... Kidney stones. That's right. I mean, very, very common thing. They're extremely painful, I guess, when they happen. Speaking of squeezing water from a stone. (laughs) There you go. It's great. Look at that. That's fantastic. You didn't even know you did that. I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, But there was a new study that just came out. I just read it. Um, It was actually in the mainstream media a little bit, so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, And uh, let's also dig into that stress and anxiety. There was also another study that came out about um, the benefits of... uh, uh, resistance training mm-hmm. on lowering stress and anxiety. Now, we've had guests like Mike Jottis from Fitness Edge, um, the doctors from Palm Health. All mm-hmm. of us come, all of them come in here and they tell us, you know, how doing resistance training can lower your stress. You know, everything you do in the gym makes your life outside the gym better. Mm-hmm. Well, a study just came out. Maybe they're starting to understand why that is. Maybe there really is a chemical reason why that is, not just some sort of anecdotal, uh, you know, f- you're feeling better. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that since you brought up stress and anxiety over the, the Green New Deal. Um, and then we've got a great lineup over the rest of the month with uh, some more of our medical professionals from the area coming in. Um, so just you'll have to hang with us today as we talk about some of these uh, these other topics. That's right. Very good. All right. Stay tuned. We're going to break. When we come back, we'll have more Eye on Health after these words. And I'm the fire. Nobody's going to 
Welcome back. Zion Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11 here on 97.1 FM News Talk, we're talking about your health care. Today, Eric, I got a special topic. What's that? Because I believe it's something we have not talked about in all the years that we've done this show. Other than which maybe is surprising. tangential references. Yes, right. Yeah. I don't think we've ever focused on it. And it's very common. Mm-hmm. Kidney stones. Very common and not fun. <laughs> I've never had one, but knowing people that have or yeah. treating them as a physician, and you know, you, yeah, they're very painful. Um, one in 11 Americans are going to get one. Unbelievable. So this is very common. Um, it's at least from what I remember in my training, a little more common in men than women. The, the recent stats show one in 10 men will get one over the course of their lifetime, whereas it's one in 12 women. But one of the things I want to talk about are some new studies that came out, which are interesting. First of all, the amount of kidney stones happening in the U.S. is becoming more common. Really? Now, uh, we deal with this with a lot of the topics we talk about. Are they really becoming more common, or are we just diagnosing them better and more frequently? And that seems to be what most doctors think, is that these things actually aren't more common, or just diagnostic tools have gotten better. Mm -hmm. And in particular, the increase in rate is not coming from men. It's coming from women. Really? And based on the current trends, uh, it looks like maybe the old adage that this is more common in men than women is probably going to go away. In fact, in a recent study that was done, it's more common in women than men. So uh, go to go rewrite all those medical school textbooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw that out. Um, now, again, the reason is it's not really becoming more common in women. At least that's not what these doctors think. They believe we're just diagnosing it better. And in women in particular... What they're referring to are chronic infections, like in the bladder and the oh. kidneys, chronically kind of undertreated, which mm-hmm. have led to a different type of kidney stone. Kidney stone nonetheless, but not in the traditional sense that we think of them. So these things are just getting diagnosed a little bit more frequently, not that they're actually happening more commonly, but it looks like it's going to be equally as, as uh, common in women as men, and men, if not more. Now, the study I want to talk about today... Um, I did see a little bit on the mainstream media, I guess, because this is such a common problem. But that's why I want to talk about it. It was a study that was done from Mayo Clinic. Mm-hmm. Relatively trustworthy. Relatively. <laughs> yeah, one would, yes. don't, don't know too many people who take a <laughs> right. negative hard stance right. You the can Mayo usually Clinic. just say Mayo Clinic. You're like, okay, we can kind of trust what they're going to say. Um, but one of the problems with kidney stones is trying to... I guess, guesstimate or predict who's going to get one again, who's going to have a recurrent stone. Because if you know who's at a high risk to get a recurrent stone, you can have them alter their diet to significantly lower the chance of recurrence. And we'll talk about what diet they recommend to help mm-hmm. lower those recurrence rates. But first, got to find out how do we predict who's going to get recurrent right. stones, right? right. Um, and the tools that they had in place before this current Mayo Clinic study were basically just a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of it seemed like it was based on more anecdotal stuff than what we call evidence-based medicine, right. where they're really looking at actual numbers. So that's what Mayo Clinic did. They looked at actual numbers, and then they started uh, looking into common characteristics that happened in a very large group of patients, about 5,000 patients that had kidney stones, to see what were some of those common predictive values. Um, so that they could develop a tool to predict who was going to recur a little bit better than what they had before, actually much better than what they had before. So here we go. Let's list some of the things they found um, for someone that would more likely to be a, uh, I guess you'd call them a repeat offender, (laughs) someone that's going to get another one. 
So most likely to be a repeat stone former mm-hmm. tended to be male patients. Okay. Not good for me or you. Nope. Younger, not good for you, but okay for me, I guess. And high, have a higher BMI. Okay, those were like the top three things that would say you're more likely to have a recurrence. So male, mm-hmm. younger, and a higher BMI. But And those, again, those were things that were always taught to me in, in medical school. Those are kind of you, you, general knowledge sort of things you think about mm-hmm. it. But they found that a family history of kidney stones increases your risk for recurrence. Makes sense. And the number of previous pregnancies you've had, if you're female, of course, would increase your risk of having recurrent stones. Huh. So that these are two new things um, that weren't traditionally put in the prior predictive tools. Um, again, family history of stones and then number of pregnancies. The other thing they were looking for is what about the stone itself? Is there anything about that first stone that you had that say, okay, if your stone had these characteristics, maybe you're more likely to get another one. And first of all, the location of the stone was very predictive. If the stones were in a region of the kidney called the lower pole... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where that's at, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, it's low. Right? Yeah, it's I like would think it's lower than the higher <laughs> pole. Exactly yeah. Right. <laughs> if it was in the lower pole, you were more, much more likely actually to experience what we call repeat stones. And then the size of the stone, it couldn't be too big or too small. So if your stone was between three to six millimeters, unfortunately, that's like an average size stone they had a higher risk of repeat stones than those whose stones were very, very small Mm -hmm. and those whose stones were very, very big. So three to six millimeters. So you got a patient that comes in or you yourself, you you go into the doctor and you have some of these features that they've just found. You definitely have a higher predictive, uh, there's a higher prediction that you're going to get another stone. Well, what does that mean for you? Well, that means is there's going to be aggressive counseling on how to change lifestyle and diet to significantly then lower your risk. So so let's say you go and you, you, you realize you have your first kidney stone, you're going to get treated. Turns out that you've had, you know, two or three kids, the stone is between three and six millimeters, you said? Yeah. Okay, and you know that your parents, grandparents, and one of your aunts or uncles have also had this issue. You're, you're at a high risk for a repeat. But if you go in, it was a very small sure. stone, yeah. you know, you either haven't had kids or right. aren't, and there's no family history, this may be a one-time this event. This may be a one-time event, and maybe you don't need a complete upheaval of your lifestyle and diet. Right. So then let's talk about, okay, then what is some? what are some of the dietary things that, you know, you can, what are mm-hmm. some adjustments you can make? And um, there's, so there's a, there's a list of things you can do, and some of them are common sense. The most important one is to stay hydrated, Right. You can imagine if you are forming small stones in your kidney and it's got to pass through these tubes to then be excreted out of your body, the more hydrated you are will help said stones yeah. move through the whole tubular system. So that means staying hydrated with water in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also some juices that you can add to your diet to help lower the stone formation. In particular, lemonade and orange juice because they contain citrate 
which stu- some studies have shown can prevent these stones from forming really? or at least from getting bigger. I assume that's related to certain citrus juices. Absolutely. Uh, is it all citrus juices? Do we know? In particular, just these two are mentioned because I okay. think they've been studied. And then lower on this list, we're going to talk a little bit about vitamin C as well. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Let's remember that. But they particularly mention lemonade and orange juice because of the amount of citrate that they contain. What they recommend is eight glasses of fluid daily or... Another way to look at it is enough to pass two liters of urine. Makes sense. Do you measure your urine? I just I, I actually guesstimate. carry around a bottle. <laughs> just make sure. Uh, I don't know how much no. two liters is. I guess next time. Well, I think time. of a two liter bottle. I know, but I mean, that's kind of <laughs> hard to gauge. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you, of course, if you work out and sweat a lot, you need mm-hmm. to add more. But, you know, in general, eight, eight uh, glasses of fluids a day. Or enough to produce two now, liters of urine. The, the, I don't think this is directly addressed in the study, but obviously uh, uh, we've talked before about the impact of caffeine on hydration levels. And you know, there's kind of conflicting information out there because in some cases you'll see uh, studies say, well, you drink too much caffeine, it'll dehydrate you. But then other nutritionists and dietitians remind us that, yeah, but when you're drinking the caffeine, there's liquid, liquid in, in the – yeah. Well, okay, so keep that in mind because I want you to remember what's the most commonly um, caffeinated drink that Americans intake. Soda, probably, or oh, you really? think it's coffee. I, was, I don't I was know. Going with, I'm holding my Howard, okay. Howard, Howard Schultz, Schultz campaign. What a uh, right-wing independent you yeah. are. There's <laughs> <laughs> a cup of Starbucks, by how, the way, people. It's not an endorsement right, yeah. of Howard Schultz. I just want to. <laughs> I mean, who calls Howard Schultz right-wing? <laughs> yeah. All right, anyway, so hydrate, number one. Okay, number two. Mm-hmm. Eat less sodium. Makes sense. So what I was thinking about is soda, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Um, we actually think we did a show on soda relatively we, recently. Soda intake, yeah. There is so much hidden sodium, even in those mm-hmm. diet soda drinks, yeah. especially yeah. maybe in those diet soda especially drinks. Especially if you're, you know, we, we talked about folks that have a, a habit of filling up, you know, this 44-ounce giant handled, you know, jug and drinking Whatever, whether it's diet soda or, yeah. or fully leaded soda, yeah, boy, that's... And I think, you know, again, one of these anecdotal things that was always passed down in medical school was big-time soda drinkers are at an increased risk for kidney stones. It's one of those things that older doctors passed on to yeah. younger doctors. Well, if you think about it, it's the double whammy effect of dehydration from the caffeine yeah. and then the hidden sodium. Um, so those are a couple of things. Um, actually, we're going to have to go to break here. So we'll get to some more of the list on what dietary changes you could make to lower your chance of getting repeat stones based on this new Mayo Clinic study. So stay tuned to this break. We'll have more Eye on Health after these words. Welcome back to Ion Health. Slapping the bass there, huh? That's right. <laughs> uh, hey, every Saturday, Eric, guess what? We're talking about your health care. Yep. Between 10 and 11. Normally, we have a local medical professional coming mm-hmm. on telling us about medical breakthroughs um, because we are blessed, actually, in the St. Louis area to actually have a very, very good, vibrant medical community that is relatively cutting edge. And very believe blessed. you me, I know. I travel all over and talk with doctors all over, and you would be shocked. What? This week, I, I'm I'm reaching out to doctors Ander and Kahigal from Allergy and Asthma Consultants because it's February 9th. It's getting there, yes. You and right. I are on our system. It's already starting. All right. Yep. But, uh, but for just a PSA for everybody out there, if you have bad seasonal allergies, 
our our regular encouragement every year because the Dr. Jones and I suffer from it is start your Flonase and your Zyrtec or whatever early. Start yeah. it now. Yes, and uh, you'll be prepped for the next few weeks as as those allergies really kick in. I are already even with the cold weather. Yeah. I was already starting yep. to feel mine, and that triggered me. Started my Flonase and Zyrtec already. Yep, and and uh, I did the balloon sinuplasty yes. with Dr. Shaw a few yeah. weeks ago. Now it's 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 been for two weeks already, like completely back to not normal, better than normal. You can, I can tell it's it in unbelievable. Your voice. Yeah, I can tell yeah. it in your voice. So it'll be interesting to see how this allergy season goes for you. It really well. Now that you're going to be proactive with your antihistamines. Mm-hmm. And you've had your sinuses fixed. Yeah. Who knows how this season will go for you. Maybe great. Full disclosure. Okay. So that way nobody, uh, it, I fell off the wagon with my allergy shots. That's on oh, me, yeah, not yeah. Dr. Kahigal. Yeah. I need to get back in with her yeah. and, and get back on. So I'm hoping I can. Uh, That's always been my biggest concern with those is I know I would do the same thing. Yeah. I'd be good yeah. for a while. And then I, yeah. I know I would fall off the wagon. That's always been my concern with it. So. If that's really not an option, I do think for some people it's just not an option. Sure. I know they make it super easy, but yeah. for some people it's not. That's why taking the you know the medicines, the antihistamines, the nasal steroids. Are well, it's so, so hard to tell because when when I take all of the uh, antihistamines and, and allergy medicines regularly, that's it's just my sinus passages were so narrow that physically all it took was basically the a tiniest little, little inflammation and I right. was toast. That's exactly right. So hopefully yeah. we're on the other but side. But man, you're learning. I, I am. You basically, after six or seven years or how many Going years? Going on eight now. Oh, eight yeah. years. Hey, that's medical school and residency. There man. you go. You're just about done. You're almost there. <laughs> so hey, we were talking a little bit about kidney stones. Extremely common. About mm-hmm. 12% of Americans are eventually going to get one at some point. And we've identified some risk factors to getting that second stone or recurrent stones. And then what are some dietary changes you can make? Two easy ones. These were no-brainers. Stay hydrated and then um, less sodium, all right? So there's a couple others I want to talk about real quick. Um, One is eat more. Okay, I'm going to give you a more and then a less. Eat more calcium-rich foods, Mm -hmm. dairy, Mm -hmm. cheese, right? A lot of calcium in there. Um, Yogurt, low-fat milk, all those things. Now, question for you on calcium-rich foods. Um, Whenever you buy, like, say you buy the the orange juice that says it has the calcium and vitamin D added, I guess, more to match the uh, micronutrient profile of, sure. of milk, is that as effective as, I, like... The answer is I don't know, but they even mention that here in this study, because to me, that would seem like a calcium supplement. Right, right. And this study is specifically referring to getting these nutrients from whole foods. I got it. So I don't know because yeah. I don't know how they infuse it with extra calcium. Like, do they just put a supplement in there? Yeah. And then does it fall into a supplement category? And, and not does a it food? actually get metabolized I mean, the I'm, same way? I'm sure, it, I'm sure it's somewhat does, but for the purposes of this, right. they actually say we're talking about getting these nutrients, yep. all the ones I'm talking about, from whole foods. In fact, when we get to vitamin C, if we get to it, the supplement actually has a deleterious effect, whereas getting it from Whole Foods actually has a positive Interesting. effect. So um, so let's just say, just to keep it simple, I, I don't know, right? Yeah. We don't know what we don't know. But, but right? it seems to be a pretty consistent theme that, while not being dogmatic, uh, if you can get the same thing from a Whole Food that where it's naturally sourced, it's better than some supplement. Version. Yeah, I mean, how many yeah. times has Mike Jodas from the Fitness yeah. Edge told us that? Otherwise, right? we'd all be drinking the Soylent Shake. Soylent, right? Soylent Green is people. Now, as part of the new Green Deal, the Green New Deal, they are going to be killing farting cows. That's right. I guess taking hamburgers from me, and maybe we will be eating Soylent Green. It's green. It's people. 
Yeah. From what I remember yeah. from the Charlton Heston. The Soylent Green New Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Just like they're going to have to pry my guns out of my cold, dead hands, they are going to have to pry my hamburgers, hamburgers out of my yeah. cold. One hand's got Listen, the burger. The you're other talking got to a guy who grew AR-15. up on a farm in Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're not getting the burgers, <laughs> burgers away from Dr. Or Jones. The gun is not coming. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So we said uh, more calcium rich foods. Um, so those are, everyone knows what's rich in calcium. We're talking dairy there. Now, this one was interesting to me. Eat fewer oxalate rich foods. Now, again, I'm not talking about your general person. Because some of these things on this list are very healthy. I'm talking about someone who has an increased risk to getting recurrent kidney stones. Okay, keep that in mind. So foods that are high in oxalate, and oxalate is the compound that binds with the calcium in your urine to Mm -hmm. make these stones form. That's why they're called calcium oxalate stones. So we want to limit the intake of those. Spinach, there you go. I mean, I eat spinach every night. (laughs) Chocolate. Wait, so you're not supposed to eat spinach? These are not. You eat fewer. We're eating more calcium-rich foods, fewer oxalate-rich foods, and these are not for these are not general health right. tips. I'm talking about right. someone who's at an increased risk for recurrent stones. Right, which, which falls into the profile of a family history. You've had one that was between three and six millimeters uh, and potentially multiple pregnancies, pregnancies right. or men generally have a higher risk. There you go. Those, those sorts of people. So uh, these are, I'm not saying these things are unhealthy. I'm saying this yeah. is the certain diet your doctor would probably recommend. So if you're out there going, I hate spinach, I never want to eat it anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, then you talk to Mike, and he'll tell you you got to eat spinach pretty much every day. Okay, spinach is on the, on the list. Chocolate, mm-hmm. sweet potatoes, another. That's oh, a good. We've talked about potatoes. that on the show. Is a good source yeah. of good complex carbohydrate. So again, healthy coffee. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about yeah. on the show the health benefits. Yeah. You just mentioned some of them. Beets, generally known as a very healthy thing. Yeah. I mean, again, so again, these things may seem a little off-putting if you're thinking about just from a health standpoint. That is not what I'm talking about. Again, peanuts, rhubarb. I never was a big fan of rhubarb. I don't know. I, only in pie. Form. I didn't even like it in a pie. See, I like rhubarb. Good tart just, rhubarb pie. I don't know. I was, I was like, yeah, take Takes it or you leave back it. To childhood. Take it or leave it. Yeah. I mean, like it would always be like this. May be the first time in St. Louis rhubarb. radio there's been a material portion of a segment dedicated to rhubarb pie. I mean, is there anyone that's like, okay, I love rhubarb. Like, Some, I love I guess it. somebody. It's kind of like okra. I just, I'm not sure. Soy products and wheat bran. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything on this list. These, these are relatively... You know, healthy items. Yeah. Um, you know, even dark chocolate. We've talked about some of the yeah, benefits yeah. of that. So these are relatively healthy things, but they're high in the oxalate. So if you're at that risk for recurrent stones, these would be things you'd at least want to limit or in your diet. So the kidney stone itself is a calcium oxalate stone. And is that like just from a, a chemical compound standpoint, is that real similar to like the calcium buildup that you'd get with hard water? I, uh, I guess. I mean, I guess. I I'll don't ask know. Rich Horace yeah. later. There you go. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the plumbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the hard water buildup in your pipes, right? That's right. I mean, conceptually, it's like that. I don't know if it's certainly a calcium buildup. I know they're both calcium buildups. But uh, hey, real quick, because I don't want to spend the whole time on just this subject. So one of the things they found interesting was that um, excess supplementation with vitamin C mm-hmm. didn't just increase your risk. It quite literally doubled your risk. Wow. Only if you took it in supplement form. Interesting. So there must be something in those supplements, right? Uh, The vitamin C supplements, by the way. They did not find it. 
even if you took in, in your intake was even more, but was from whole foods, it didn't increase your well, risk. But if you supplemented with the vitamin C, it literally doubled your risk. It seems to be a new theme of a lot of these medical studies. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago here with regard to vitamin D. Where there's now yeah. been a research, people for years now, everybody's been saying, take your 5,000, you know, UIs of vitamin D, you need it, you need it, the sunlight gives it to you, we're yeah. not, not getting enough sun. Now we realize, oh wait, no, it was actually the sunlight that you needed, Yeah, and the vitamin D was the correlation, not yeah. the causation. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. For years, vitamin C, you know, hyper-supplementation of vitamin C has been a thing. Yeah. Are we seeing a, a change there as and well? I think... Um, if you talk to anyone, they're going to tell anyone reasonable. They're mm-hmm. going to say anything in moderation is yeah. fine. Remember, uh, Linus Pauling, a famous scientist, was taking like twenty grams of vitamin C a day. Now he lived; he had a great, healthy life and 20 lived grams? twenty grams a day, right? That's and he was a I mean, this guy's a scientist, right? He what discovered DNA or whatever. I mean, he was one yeah. of those guys. And he took 20 grams a day, and he actually lived a long, healthy life, and he attributed to this hyper-supplementation with vitamin C. But I think if you talk to most reasonable people, they're yeah. going to say, yes, it's normal. To get, let's get some healthy vitamin C yeah. on our diet, but maybe you don't need to take supplementation to get up to 20 grams of yeah. it. Maybe just 10 grams. Now, what I don't know is did he ever have <laughs> kidney stones? We'll have to look that up. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what we are seeing, though, is a big trend in these studies to say when we're talking about you know X, Y, or Z vitamin or mineral – we're actually talking about getting it from the whole food, not getting it through mm-hmm. excess supplementation. And when we say getting it from the whole food, we don't mean going to whole foods necessarily. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, look, if you own stock in it, yeah, maybe. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. Wait, Amazon bought whole foods. That's right. right. Okay. So if you own stock in Amazon, then. Oh, we got to go to break. We do. Oh, holy cow. Okay, all right. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, let me finish up with the kidney stones and we'll get some other topics. So stay tuned. We'll have more Eye on Health after these words. All right. Welcome back. Hey, it's Eye on Health. We've been talking about kidney stones today. Yeah. It ended up taking up. Most of the time, so I'm sorry. Dr. Jones and I like to set ambitious goals here on Iron Health, in case you can't tell. And uh, this one, a a full hour-long show, almost exclusively on kidney stones and the Green New Deal, goes right up there with the hand-washing episode. (laughs) I, you know... (laughs) Walking into the hand washing episode, I wasn't sure how we were going to do it. I, I, well, that's and there we were. I think we made it up like ten <laughs> seconds before you hit that on air button. That's why. Um, but listen, kidney stones—they affect twelve percent of the population. Yep. One in ten men, one in twelve women. It's becoming more common, or uh, it's being diagnosed more commonly. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. Um, and if you can, if you are one of these people that gets it, and then you want to try to limit recurrence, yeah. Then, um, you know, some decent information here. I think some of this stuff is common sense, but it's nice to see that it's backed up with some evidence. So most importantly are these dietary changes, which remember, not necessarily am I saying this is a healthy diet or that these foods on here are unhealthy. But for this particular patient who's trying to lower their chance, that's what you'd be looking for. Mm -hmm. Hydration, Mm -hmm. lower sodium, more calcium-rich foods, lower oxalate-rich foods. And some of those oxalate foods were actually very healthy and then a big whammy that was on here um, was the vitamin C supplementation. Yep. Again, I'm not making a comment on supplementing with vitamin C and, and it's good or bad, but in these sorts of patients, mm-hmm. if that thing's going to double your risk for recurrence, you know, you'd probably want to limit your vitamin C supplementation right. and just try to get it through whole foods. Yep. I think it's been interesting. Every time we have like uh, Mike Jodison or the ladies from Fitness, uh, um, Palm, Palm Health and um, 
how they they aren't really big on this supplementation, right? Yeah, um, you yeah. know, the supplement in, industry is a huge industry, and here are two frequent guests where you think that'd be right up their alley, and both of them are I, more about getting your stuff through Whole Foods. I, I've noticed, more, you know, a trend over the last few years, especially where uh, people who deal with the general population on nutrition and dietary advice uh, are more and more often saying, you know what? All that stuff about you know multivitamins, we're realizing that it's either just flushing through your system <laughs> right. and the ones that aren't sometimes are causing negative impacts. Not telling you to stop taking right. your multivitamin, but uh, I don't I don't want to um there was a there was an old skit on Saturday Night Live where the guy finally gets to heaven <laughs> and he meets God and then he tells him all the things like he says, oh, well, professional wrestling is real, and yeah. <laughs> you know, broccoli's <laughs> actually bad for you, and the guy's like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to get to heaven and have him say, do you know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars you wasted on supplementation? And That's you wouldn't be gonna... here for three more years yeah, if you right. just right. hadn't taken yeah, no, that vitamin C. That? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you never really know, but it, it, you know, it is so true. Um so those are some things you can do to try to limit your chance for recurrence. Um, hey, I wanted to touch on this real quick um, because this was also something that was out in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And we have done, I think, a couple of shows on this. Um, getting to the point where we have bacteria that are not responding to antibiotics. Yeah. Super bugs. Um, super bugs. And we have talked about, hey, this is in the media right now. They're going after, quote unquote, big pharma, right? Yep. But unfortunately for us, Big Pharma is who makes antibiotics. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to go after them so much that they don't even have an incentive to make these things, we're all going to pay those consequences. It just, it's mind-boggling to me to how people I, – I'm not defending everything about uh, private companies in the medical space. There's certainly – you, you look at that Mike, Michael Scarelli who just yeah, right. absolutely exactly, abused right. it, it. Well, it's people example. like that, though, and then it taints yeah. everyone's view of this. But, but, but whenever – you look at the net benefit, not just here in America, but to the entire world of some of the drugs that have been created over the last you know, five decades, especially, but all time. And we want to shut that down. You, you think the, the federalizing that's going to make it better? Yeah, right. Well, all right, let's just well. stop all progress. So let me tell you about this story that was in the media. I thought it was interesting. They, there were researchers that were in the high Arctic area of Norway. Uh-huh. I'm guessing this is extremely cold. <laughs> well, I don't know with global climate change. I'm sorry, not warming. What they were doing is they were doing some sort of soil sample yeah. testing. This had nothing to do with it, but as part of the routine soil sampling in the high Arctics of Norway, they were looking at bacterial strains that may be present there. And lo and behold, even in those frigid, frigid temperatures... They found bacteria, bacterial strains, that are extremely resistant to every type of antibiotic we currently have in our arsenal. And presumably, these strains have been frozen for who knows, right? Hundreds, of, at a minimum, maybe thousands. Well, well, and, well hold on, we'll get oh, to that. That's okay. what's weird. That's okay. what I thought, too. Yeah. Uh, who knows, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where do they come from? What's interesting, though, is they found 131 new mutations. Um, so what'll happen with, you know, the old adage, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So these bacteria get a little bit of exposure mm-hmm. to an antibiotic, but not enough to kill it off. And then they start to develop a mutation to overcome whatever mechanism that antibiotic would have killed it with. Yeah. So and that's what doesn't kill these bacteria makes them stronger. Right. And that's how we get these right. superbugs. 
We've done whole shows on the overuse of antibiotics. Very little comes from the medical community, mm -hmm. although we get blamed for it. Most of it comes from agricultural runoff where yeah. they're putting these antibiotics yeah. in everything. We've talked about that before. But you get a little bit of exposure to the antibiotic, the bacteria learns how to overcome it. They found 131 new mutations up in the permafrost in Norway wow. to overcome all of our yeah. antibiotics. But listen to this. One of the mutations that they found was the exact same mutation that they found two years ago, or I'm sorry, uh, 10 years ago, in India. No kidding. Isn't that crazy? That's not The literally Little, same, same mutation. mutation. The same mutation. Did it happen, you know, yeah. both of them um, coincidentally right. the right. same thing? Or did somehow what usually happens, what we call transmission, where that bacteria transmitted its new DNA somewhere else? But how does it get from India to it, the is permafrost? It, is it getting? Is it maybe making certain uh, elements of the medical community, community reconsider what the drug-resistant antibacterial properties are? That maybe this is these strains are spreading. Yes, as oh, opposed absolutely. to mutating. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, yeah, that's it's, it, these are n these are new ways to get around our current antibiotics, and it's becoming more and more, mm -hmm. more, more common. It's a real problem because if you get one of these infections and we do not have an antibiotic to treat it, we're right back to the Black Plague era where uh, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you know, there you go. <laughs> what? Well, you tell me to wrap. Well, he's giving me all sorts of hand signals. I don't know what your hands you have. Me. You have seven seconds oh, left. All to right, get out. hey, stay tuned for Eye on the Money with Bob Stockdale. No, On the Money with Bob Stockdale. Get more at 971talk.com.